That's like my perfect bite. It's like some liquid orange cheese or, you know, bright yellow cheese on a like really thick chip and a jalapeno on top. That's like a perfect bite. Pickled jalapeno. See, mine would be like a chip covered with some refried beans and cheese. Welcome to Escrow Out Loud, the San Francisco real estate podcast from Jackson Fuller Real Estate, experts on San Francisco real estate since 2002. Podcast notes with links are available at jacksonfuller.com backslash podcast. Hi, I'm Matt Fuller, the broker at Jackson Fuller Real Estate in San Francisco. Thanks for joining me for another episode of my podcast, Escrow Out Loud. Today's guest is a local business owner past board member of the Castro Merchants Association, and current board president of the Castro Street Fair. Joining me for an expansive conversation covering everything from opening her business to leading the Castro Street Fair, formula retail restrictions, and her favorite neighborhoods is Jen Meyer. Welcome, Jen. What is Local Take? Local Take is a gallery gift store featuring all local artists and designers. So it's everything but... From tote bags to t-shirts, jewelry, pottery, and it's all made or designed locally. And how long has Local Take been a, a local thing? Local Take has been around for a little over nine years, about nine and a half years. The idea was come up with in October of 2012 and then started working on it in January of 2013 and opened the first store in March of 2013. Where did you open your first store at? In the Castro. And then you had more stores. Uh, I did, board, yes. yeah. What neighborhoods were you at? So I've had stores all over, actually. A series of pop-up shops, permanent stores. So my second store I opened in the Inner Sunset, right at 9th, between Irving and Judah. That was around for about almost six years. That when I closed in February of just this year. I've had a pop-up shop in Green Apple Books in the Richmond. That lasted for a little over a year. I've had a pop-up shop at... Westfield Mall in downtown San Francisco, and that one lasted for about a year. So, yeah, we've been all over. What's your favorite neighborhood to work in? Castro. Hands down. You didn't even hesitate when no, you said that. So. It's the only store that's left. Of course, it's my favorite. <laughs> so my goal this year, or at the end of last year, was to really focus on what meant the most to me. And so that meant closing the pop-up shops, closing my other location, the Inner Sunset, and relocating the Castro store to... Not necessarily a better spot, but just to one that would allow some growth. So, and that's what I've done. Congratulations. Thank that's you. A great store. And where is it located at now? The store is at 4122 18th Street, right at Castro. 18th between Castro and Collingwood. Right now, I'm currently the president of the Castro Street Fair. Now, is Castro Street Fair put on by the Castro Merchants no, Association? not affiliated at all. So, so who puts on the Castro Street Fair? We do, the board of directors. So, so like, where do they come from? Just the neighborhood. Honestly, it's not the Castro Street Fair is its own board, runs its own volunteers, runs its own finances. It's a separate entity from anything else in the Castro. So, the first Castro Street Fair was forty nine years ago, started by Harvey Milk, and it's changed a lot. I don't actually know when the board was created, when the board was formed, but it's been its own entity since Harvey Milk started in 1974. So how did you get involved in the Castro Street Fair? So I was serving on the board of the Castro Merchants when the Castro Merchants Board was approached by the Castro Street Fair Board asking for 
people to join their board, um, not necessarily recruiting directly from the Castro Merchants Board, but just constituents and business owners in the Castro. And so at the time, I was looking for more of a challenge and looking for something that showed more concrete results, something that wasn't just like this ongoing project, but something that had a beginning and an end. And tangible, you could see the results of your effort. Exactly. You could see the results of your efforts. That's exactly it. Like you're working towards this goal, you do it, you congratulate yourself, you take a little break and then you start again, bigger and better for the next year. So they ended up recruiting me straight from the Castro Merchants Board. So I put in my notice for Castro Merchants and joined the Castro Street Fair Board. So your store is in the heart of the Castro. Mm -hmm. Who primarily shops? Who are your primary clients? You know, things have changed obviously in the last two and a half years. So... Prior to the beginning of the pandemic and what I'm seeing come back now is it's about half locals and half tourists. So we are, for the for the locals, you know, we're the go-to gift store. We're kind of souvenirs for locals. So our artists create these items that are San Francisco-centric, but they're how the locals see San Francisco. So it's a lot of suture tower. It's a lot of angles that you can only find when you know the, the places to go, like um, seeing the Golden Gate Bridge from Fort Point. So many tourists don't end up there. So I think that's what the locals love about it. It's the insider's view of San Francisco. Also, we just have great gifts and it's, it's a go-to gift store for locals. For tourists, you know, I've always said that the tourists that end up in the Castro are the more evolved tourists. They're the ones who want to see the inside version of San Francisco. You know, they're staying Something at the... Something other than the first Google search or something. Exactly. Like they're not the staying in off the beaten path. Exactly. Authentic. More authentic. They're staying in the neighborhoods, whether it's a Verbo or Airbnb or some of the local boutique hotels. They're not necessarily staying downtown and going from Fisherman's Wharf to Union Square. You know, they want to get into the neighborhoods. So as a small business owner, as a kind of a a community advocate with the Castro Street Fair, what's your take on formula retail bans? And you can say pass. (laughs) So I told you I belong in the Castro. I've got an opinion. You know I do. So it's been a long time since anyone's asked me about this. It's so circular for me that sometimes it's hard for me to know where to dive into this question. So a ban on formula retail does not mean that the Castro ban doesn't mean that formula retail can't come in here. It just means that they have to apply for a conditional use permit and the neighborhood gets a say in it. That's all. We don't actually even get the final say. So You know how I know I've been living here too long? When you're talking about it's like conditional use permit and I'm just sitting here nodding my head like everyone knows the CPU. Yeah. What that is. Or CUP, whatever it is. Um yeah, I know. Well, and yes, you're also an in real estate. So. Yeah. Because I believe this came about when the Walgreens in Coal Valley, what's now the Walgreens at 199 Parnassus, it used to be like a local market. And like overnight, it became a Walgreens and nobody knew it was coming. And that was the genesis of the, the formula retail ban. The idea being that you were going to give the community a chance to have a say right. just before they said, hello, we're here. Thank you very much. Right. So I didn't know the history of that, but it makes sense. That's where it would come from. And, you know, I support the idea of keeping the neighborhoods neighborhoody. You know, none of us live in the in the neighborhoods so we can feel like we're living anywhere. You know, what makes a neighborhood a neighborhood is all of this local flavor, like having 
these one-off restaurants and these one-off little stores. And if you could find it anywhere, it wouldn't make it special. And so, and that's why we live in these neighborhoods is because it feels special. You know, a Cliff's Hardware, like if Home Depot decided to move into the neighborhood, they could. They could take over any space because they can afford it. And then Cliff's would be gone because Cliff's wouldn't be able to compete with it. And then where would we get our shovels and boas? From Home Depot. They wouldn't have the boas. They would not have, they would the, have the boas. boas. But some other store would have the boas. Like, but I'm sure that you could still get the products. It's just you're not supporting. That would be a step backwards. Yeah. Right? It's not one-step shopping. So, that being said, like. It sounds like you support the spirit. I think that that's what it is. Like, ultimately, I believe in competition. Like, the fact that there are no other gift stores and very few other retail stores in the Castro actually hurts me as a, the owner of a retail store. When there was more retail in the Castro, it helped because it brought people to the neighborhood. It kept people in the neighborhood, tourists or visitors, you know, even coming into the neighborhood for a restaurant. There's some neighborhoods you go a little bit early because you know that there's some shopping to be done. And so I would love some more competition in the Castro. And honestly, I do support competition. It's just that when pharma retail comes in, they really have the ability to change the landscape of the retail market in a neighborhood. They can pay whatever they need to for leases. They have the ability to lower their prices for as long as they need to to gain traction in the market. And just small operators can't compete with that. And so it just doesn't feel like a level playing field to begin with. And so if there are ways to level that out, I'm in support of healthy competition. I'm in support of commerce. So whatever you just said, I believe in the spirit of it. It's just, and I think it's okay to make them go through an extra step to get in. So which is better in your opinion? Vacant store or Chipotle? Are there only two choices? Vacant store or formula retail food? I don't think it's that easy. I think that my initial response would be Chipotle, <laughs> but but that's only because I actually really like Chipotle. But honestly, I would rather go to the local taqueria than um, Chipotle. So, but I don't think it's that easy. I think that I would rather not have as many vacant storefronts, but I also would, it depends on the formula retail, but you know, smaller chains, I think are are okay. You know, the Starbelly is owned by a restaurant group that has dozens of restaurants around the city. Like, so the restaurant group that owns Starbelly, they own Retta, La Linda, Super Duper, dozens more. If that group wanted to open a restaurant in the cash show, even if they were deemed formula retail, I would say absolutely yes, because it's going to be a different concept. It's going to be, you know, local ingredients. It's going to be well done. It's still going to hire local workers. So no matter what business comes into the Castro, whether it's formerly retail or a local operator, they're still going to employ people from the neighborhood and from San Francisco. So there's something to be said about that too. So do I think that the neighborhood needs a Chipotle? Probably not. <laughs> and how long has our former Pottery Barn location been exactly. empty now? Like and there's 15 no, years? When you get those big box operators in the neighborhood too, there's no love for the neighborhood. You know, there's no commitment. There's no loyalty to the neighborhood. And so that's why you saw a lot of those businesses leaving in the last two years is because they could. And the small operators dug their heels in and they're just like, this is how I pay my bills. This is how I pay for my kids to go to college. Like, this has to work. 
and they recommit themselves to the neighborhood that they're in. It doesn't always work out. Sometimes, you know, they had to pivot and try something, move on to something else. But for the most part, the businesses that you still see in the Castro, they're in it to win it. And they're loyal to their customers. They're loyal to the neighborhood. And they're committed to making it work. Yeah, like, do you know Dave, MX3 Gem? Yeah. He's been super passionate. I mean, he's a local business owner. Well, and Great he's example just, of incredibly committed to the neighborhood. Yeah, right? and like, he's co-owner. Like, he's not, like, that's Glenn's shop. Like, that's Glenn's gym. So that's what's amazing to me. Like, Dave is, yeah, incredibly vocally passionate about the Castro. As a small business owner, what would you say? Does San Francisco have too many departments? Like... Is it, is it too much? Would you streamline things? Or is it a level of tension that serves the goal? The only department that I think is such a... It's so archaic as to be laughable is weights and measures. And it seems ridiculous to me in this age of, like... Do you know what weights and measures is? So, like, no, my, I mean, I'm permitted under, you know, retail real estate service. So you wouldn't know what weights and measures What, what are these weights and measures? It's just, it's like my 10 years of corporate retail is the only reason why I even knew who they were when they came in. But it's this group, it's a teeny tiny city agency that regulates, or they're like the watchdog group of Are these pricing. people that make sure, like, you get a gallon of gasoline? Exactly. Of gasoline. It's like... It was created, like, back when the butcher used to put his thumb on the scale, you know, to, like, inflate the price. Or, But there are so many consumer watchdog groups now. Like, if if the local Chevron tried to charge you even up any more... There'd be 50 Yelp reviews. There'd be, there'd be 5,000. Like, Cron 4 would have already shown up here. And, you know, with everyone having this, like, super vocal voice, it's just this... Our Kate government agency is just, it's not needed anymore. So what they do is they come in. So I have to pay them a fee every year. And it's its nothing. It's like $80 or something. But it's another bill. When I had it's three. one more thing. Yeah. When I had three stores, it was actually like, and that's what it is, is. So when I had three stores and you were getting three different fees from six different government agencies, that's when it becomes unmanageable I think as a small operator and for one store like none of it really registers too much but so there's an annual fee that you get and then at some time during the year the one person that works in this city agency like I've never met anyone else I've never talked to anyone else like if you call the number it's him who answers he visits the store he introduces himself he gives you a business card he goes around, he picks out 10 items from the store. He brings them up to the register. You ring them up and he has to be able to see the price as it's rung up. And if he can't see it, then you get a violation. And if any item rings up as a different price as what's on the tag, it's another violation. So he watches it and goes through and writes up a report. And then you print a receipt and keep staples that to the report and then you have to return everything and then you have to like fix all of these violations plus pay a fee for each one i've had like at some point i carried the same product as wishbone in the inner sunset and it was just like a little notebook back when it was wishbone it was a little notebook and for some reason our price was a dollar more than it was 
I wish about two totally different stores. Right. Well within our right. Oh, no, I think it was like $2. It was something that was just like, instead of $6, it was $8. And it was a total mistake. Like, we had entered it into the computer wrong. But we got a Yelp review that our prices were high and that this one product was $2 more than it was at Wishbone. Like, people notice. Like, we do not need a government watchdog group. It's an archaic agency. It had a point, it had a purpose, and, you know, technology and the internet have evolved to take care of your jobs. Right, exactly. Let's retire you and move on. And, you know, keep your thumb off the scale. Final question. Yeah. Your current location on 18th Street has, uh, I guess it's called like a signboard, letter board. Letter board, yes. Letter board out front. It's an an infamous neighborhood letter board. Yeah. Prior occupants of your space were known for some rather witty remarks. Do you feel the pressure? So much pressure. From the moment I moved in there, so much pressure. And my first letterboard message was going to be, y'all are expecting a lot from this board. <laughs> Every single person has asked me about it. And so we're doing our best. You know, it's. I did have an idea of having a contest to have people come up with um, things to put up there. So we'll see what happens. How come it hasn't been turned into a t-shirt yet? How come what has been turned into a t-shirt? Your letterboard. What do you mean? One of your local maker artisans needs to turn it into a t-shirt. You mean like make a t-shirt that has a letterboard on it? Yeah, like your shop front with like some crazy letterboard saying in there. Very meta. Yeah, I'm not sure if we've created a letterboard message that should be made into a t-shirt i don't know if it needs to live forever like the ones we've come up with maybe not all of them but there's gonna be one there's there's i hopefully there's one actually the one that we have up there right now is probably the most photographed marquee since we opened what's up there right now it says summertime dot 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 and the city is foggy it's true it's been a very foggy so any final thoughts about doing business in the castro castro street fair when is the Castor Street Fair this year? The Castor Street Fair is Sunday, October 2nd of this year. It's always the first Sunday in October. It is one of the, the gay high holidays. Yes. Right? The last weekend in September is Folsom Street Fair. First weekend in October is Castor Exactly. Street. It's the best week in the Castro. Usually amazing weather. It's and then it turns fall on the Monday after. So And hopefully it rains. Hopefully. Yeah. The Monday after. Monday mm-hmm. after. You can start reading October 3rd. That would be great. Yeah, final words. I love the Castro. I love doing business in the Castro. I love the passion that exists here and, yeah, here forever. You've been listening to Escrow Out Loud, the San Francisco real estate podcast from Jackson Fuller Real Estate. Experts on San Francisco real estate since 2002. Podcast notes with links available at jacksonfuller.com backslash podcast.